0: You're listening to AIB Market Talk with our latest financial market update. Hello and welcome to our weekly AIB Market Update on Tuesday the 5th of January. I'm Paul Ward from our Customer Treasury Unit and I'm joined this week by AIB's Chief Economist, Oliver Mangan, to discuss all things Brexit. And we'll also take an opportunity to look at the week ahead in terms of data releases that are likely to drive the currency markets. Ollie, good morning and a Happy New Year to you. And the same to you. Many thanks and a Happy New Year to all our listeners. Like we have on so many occasions during these podcasts, Ali, we'll start with Brexit. So the EU and the UK finally agree in a trade deal last week and has been approved by governments on both sides. At a high level, can you bring us through the details of the agreement? Well, the deal is more or less as
1: anticipated. It's been described as a skinny trade deal, which is probably a good description of it. It means that it avoids tariffs being imposed on goods trading between the UK and the EU, but it did not extend to services. So, as Theresa May pointed out, it's a deal in goods trade that benefits the EU, but not a deal in services that would have benefited the UK. Having said that, obviously, if the fish issue was resolved, which is proving difficult, and trade has been moving freely between the UK and the EU in the first number of days. our volumes are low. But obviously, it does mean there will still be a major change in the trading relationship with the UK this year. Effectively, what's happened is the UK has moved outside the EU customs union, and moved outside the single market. And to avoid tariffs being introduced, a trade deal has been struck you still require customs clearance documentation. Yeah. There'll be a lot more red tape now in terms of being an importer or an exporter uh, in terms of dealing with the UK. Now whereas the EU are up and running in terms of doing the customs checks etc, that is not true on the UK side and it'll take them a number of months before they're fully operational in that regard. So you may not see the same delays on the UK side but you could well see delays on the EU side, particularly where documentation is not in order. And we have already seen examples of this. So
0: is your sense though, Wally, though, that disruption will be probably even more prevalent the further we look down the line the likelihood is that as trade picks up trade is
1: usually very light in early january there was also a lot of stockpiling ahead of the end of the expiry date and as trade picks up you like to see more delays and also as the uk begins to fully operate the new arrangements in terms of customs checks etc you're yeah. going to see more delays and what have you i suppose the, the risk for traders is particularly those who share containers your documentation might be in order but if somebody else has goods in that container and their documentation is not, the whole lot gets stopped. As I said There's already been examples of this. But I think the trade deal has been welcomed because, first of all, it avoids tariffs, which is particularly important in Ireland's case, particularly on the agri-food industry. So that's good news. And secondly, it certainly would have soured relations between the UK and the EU if there had not been a trade deal and tariffs have been imposed, etc. But, I mean, this is... A long way from the single market, particularly for services, and a long way from being in the customs union. So no matter what way you look at it, there will be increased costs for doing business with the UK. There could well be delays, but obviously a trade deal, the situation would be far worse if we didn't have a trade deal. So it's been broadly welcomed within the EU, approved by all EU governments and broad-based support in the UK as well for for the trade deal but as Theresa May pointed out she negotiates actually a better better trade deal and and Labour didn't support it so she was quite sore about that
0: Can I ask you something though? you mentioned there like the additional costs and and I'm really thinking of the exporter here so I suppose there would have been an expectation maybe that we would have seen a bit of a bounce in sterling but the currencies remain fairly range bound I mean what's your thoughts I suppose initially in terms of what's happened with Euro-sterling and maybe how that might play out in the coming weeks Well I suppose
1: Certainly in recent months, we've been worrying that we felt the upside for the currency in the event of a trade was limited, Mm, and that has proved to be the case. As limited
0: as it is being, though?
1: Well, I thought the euro's fallen back. It got back to as low as 89. We suggest it might get to 87 or 88. Mm. But really, 89 to 91p has contained all the action that were up to Christmas and has contained all the action since then. I think one of the things that's changed is within the uk obviously there's been a very sharp rise in the number of new coronavirus cases you have that new strength of the virus as well which is worrying people uh, you know a very strict lockdown has been imposed right across yeah. the uk and the UK economy, as was the case in 2020, suffered far more in terms of the effects of the lockdown than other countries. And that's seen as continuing into 2021. So I think that is acting as a headwind for the currency. And actually, if you look at futures markets, they think that predominantly only in the UK, uh, we'd like to see rates lowered again in 2021. But the markets, even though we've got a trade deal, are still yep. pricing that we could go to negative rates in the UK because the impact of the pandemic and the extent of the
0: lockdown and restrictions is far more severe there than elsewhere. So, so there's a couple of things at play here. There's Brexit, there's the potential of negative rates in the UK. There's the impact of COVID and what that means on the economy yes. in the UK. So it, it's more than just a Brexit story that uh, may yes. drive this currency going and forward, I think yeah? so
1: what we had is a much more limited bounce to the currency than we would have been expecting maybe four weeks ago. And a likelihood that... Sterling will remain, I mean, it's at the low levels, it has been for quite some time and it's likely to remain at these low levels. So it could remain range bound to that sort of 89 to maybe 92p range, particularly over the open months of the year, given that we're likely to see an extended lockdown in the UK economy. And I know other economies have been in lockdown. If you look at the data last year, the, the impact was much more severe in the UK than elsewhere, And that may have knock on effect in terms of monetary policy this year. Whereas rate changes are not really expected in the eurozone or in the US, the markets are looking for some further rate cuts in the UK. So, as I said, that is acting as a headwind for the currency, and there may be concerns that as the weeks and months pass by, we may begin to see. I mean, it's generally seen as a negative deal. Okay, it's better than no deal, yeah. But this is not a great deal for the UK economy. I mean the vast majority of its exports are services. It's 80% of the UK economy, and it's not covered by this deal. So the feeling is that, be it delays, or be it as a centre for investment, or the fact that the trade deal doesn't cover services, that this is another factor that will weigh on UK growth going forward. So between leaving the EU, the narrow range of the trade deal, the ongoing difficulties with the COVID pandemic, that there's lots of headwinds facing the UK economy and also you know concerns that this might eventually see a breakup of the UK, a push towards Scottish independence. That's there bubbling in the background as well. So you can see there's lots of negative headwinds at play which are holding back to at the present time and likely to do so. For much of the so, so, it looks like, this year.
0: so it looks like no respite for Irish exporters anyway as we move into 2021. Oli, but just kind of move to the week ahead, there are a number of important releases this week. One of the main releases that always grabs the attention of the market is the US Employment Report, which is for December, and is due this Friday. You might remind our listeners why it's so important, and secondly, what can we expect from the report? Well, it gives us an up-to-date picture of the US labour market and how the economy is performing.
1: Now, Generally speaking, because the restrictions weren't as wide in the US as elsewhere, the US economy outperformed last year and we haven't seen a recovery in the labour market. But as elsewhere, the number of COVID cases has risen rapidly. Yeah. And what the report on Friday is likely to show is that the improvement in the labour market is largely run out of steam. We might get a very small increase in what's called non farm payrolls or employment, maybe of the order. Thousand, and we could actually see a rise in unemployment, reflecting the fact that large parts of the economy have been impacted again by restrictions related to COVID, etc. and I suppose the worried aspect for the US is during the first lockdown, it shed around twenty-two million jobs, and it's still got to get you know nearly half those jobs back. So the recovery in the labour market is stalling when employment remains well below its pre-pandemic levels. So markets will be focusing on that. Now, other indicators have been good, such as survey indicators, and we'll have a PMI surveys, particularly for the manufacturing sector, showing that activity is picking up again. But it would be worrying to see, but not surprising, to see the momentum in the labour market the recovery that was there has run out of steam. And I think that's what the markets will be looking to see on Friday. So, again, like elsewhere, I mean, there's obviously been good news in terms of the role of the vaccines, et cetera. And on a medium term basis, let's say on a six- to nine-month yeah. view, that certainly is positive for growth. But near-term, there's no doubt that the rapid rise in new cases, the restrictions that have being imposed, the lockdowns in certain countries, including Ireland and the UK, are going to be a major headwind for economies, certainly for the opening quarter of the year. And with a weak finish to last year, you know we could be talking about a double-dip recession in some of the economies, like we saw a recession in the first half of last year, then a recovery through the summer, then a marked weakening economic activity in the closing couple of months of the year that could well extend into the opening quarter of this year. So near-term markets remain concerned about the impact of the ongoing pandemic it's having on activity notwithstanding the fact that as the vaccines are rolled out it should lay the basis for a sustained and strong recovery in activity taking root in the second half of 2021 and extending into 2022. Yeah
0: and look as you would expect I suppose with the rollout of the vaccines globally it should have a positive impact for our economies but can I just touch on one point in relation to the US employment report that's due on Friday it previously has caused event risk for the dollar So just maybe to finalise, really, in terms of the euro-dollar current trading position, where we've kind of since the start of December been above one hundred and twenty. It seems to be in a range, all of 120, 125, would that be fair to say? Well, it's, it's been in a very narrow range, actually, right yeah. through the Christmas period. That held in very thin market conditions over the
1: Christmas. 122 to 123 has been containing all the action. I think just to put a bit of perspective on it, you know, the dollar has been at very elevated levels for the last five or six years. Yeah, It did lose ground in the second half of the year, especially as you know, it has been a currency that has acted as a safe haven and obviously was strong the early part of the year when the pandemic crisis was at its peak. The the positive use in regard to vaccines, etc., has seen a move out of safe haven currencies like the US dollar. So it did lose a bit of ground in the second half of the year. Now, in terms of trading against the euro, I think there's two levels to bear in mind. One is 120 and the other is 125. Why is that, Oli? Well, the euro has not risen above the 125 level ever since negative interest rates were introduced in the eurozone back in 2014. That's seven years oh my ago. my God. So 125 is a very big level for it to overcome this is only the second time since 2014 that has risen above the 120 level. Now, the previous rise is back, I think, at the start of 2017. It wasn't sustained, and it fell back down below the 120 level, back all the way back down to below 110. I think, given the prospects of the rollout of the vaccine and the prospects for recovery in the second half of the year, the 120 level may hold, You know, or it might fall back to maybe yeah. 118. So, I think, you are right probably 118 to 125 is probably the broad trading broad range, range but it yeah. could well be a narrow trading range in terms of the labour market report i mean i think we have weekly data that I think the, the markets will be expecting a weak report, signs that the recovery in the US labour market has run out of steam. So a weak labour market report shouldn't be a surprise at the dollar. Yeah. Uh, if it's particularly weak, we could see the euro rise somewhat further above okay. the 123 level. But bear in mind, 125 has not been breached yeah. since negative rates have been introduced in the eurozone back in 2014. And negative rates are here to stay for a long period of time in the eurozone. So it will be difficult for the euro to make headway against the dollar, further headway I should say, against the dollar in the opening months
0: of the year. That's interesting, Ali. And just look, before we finish, is there any other data releases that we need to be aware of for the week ahead?
1: Well, I think survey data for in the US, For we've already seen some. We've seen the Irish case with what's called the PMI data, yep. a very strong figure from manufacturing released yesterday yep. and with the services data to come tomorrow, Wednesday. But generally speaking, survey data did peak up in the closing months of the year. Again, the restrictions were lifted yeah. in, in December. The risk is that those figures or those survey data could weaken again in January or February. I think markets know that we're in for weak data for the first couple of months of the year. It may not have a huge impact on market on the expectation that this could be the last major wave to the pandemic. Hopefully that's the case and that as the vaccines rolled out, we
0: will see a recovery begin to take root if not in the spring, certainly in the second half of the year. Okay. Many thanks for the update, Ollie. And a big thanks to our customers, colleagues and listeners for joining us on this week's podcast. To stay up to date with the latest market developments, please subscribe to AAB's Market Talk on the podcast apps for iOS or Android. And for those customers impacted by the pandemic, you can find details at AIB support packages at AIB.ie forward slash COVID-19. Many thanks. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of AIB Market Talk. Allied Irish Bank's PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. First Trust Bank is a trademark of AIB Group UK PLC.